look forward to retirement and avoid the pitfalls. Keep listening for ways to maximize your retirement income. More Than Money with the Popowich Carmelli Advisory Group, CIBC Woodgundy, on News Talk 770. Lifestyle matters. It's more than money. I'm Faisal Carmelli and my co-host here, Dave Popwich. Happy New Year, buddy. Happy New Year, Faisal. Uh, well, it was it was a good good New Year for me so far. It was a chilly one, dude. Well, this is my first time seeing you back, so <laughs> that's why I said so far. <laughs> Only, what, another 50 of these to do this year? So I heard it was pretty chilly here. It was chilly. I know you were uh, <laughs> I told you, not experiencing that. When I leave, I want it to be cold here. What I didn't want is it to be cold when I get back. But All I, your I hate mail that. to Faisal. <laughs> At morethanmoneyradio.com. There you go. All right, listen, we got a pretty good show today. We're going to start off, kick off the new year here. Uh, we'll take an in-depth look at how retirement differs for men and women um, and discuss some of those differences. We'll have Kelly Keene join us for that. And you know what? Lots of people ask us about, should I take money out of my RSP early? That's a huge question. Right. I think that's a, that's a great topic to have, especially it's so early in the year. We can get planning for the taxes uh, for 2018 right on a, on a good start. So yeah. it's a good, good conversation. Well, and, and, you know, with our RSP season coming up, everybody's thinking about depositing. But uh, I'm not sure enough people think about the withdrawal strategy and the income strategy and tax strategy. Correct. So it's a good time to sort of raise that awareness. Absolutely. I Okay, um, this is, I guess, the first uh, the first more than money for the new season. Um, what are the New Year's resolutions around, uh, you know, around your finances? I think that's uh, that's the 2018 early theme. So I've been doing quite a bit of reading around uh, the U.S. and Canada, a little bit in Europe on some of these New Year's resolutions for uh, finance and investing. And common theme of one of them, and I want to get your input, mm-hmm. is uh, get rid of your losers. There's been a lot of people who've owned some stocks who've gone, they've gone down in this market, surprisingly, um, and they're, they're still holding on to it. They're still hoping for things to turn around. Um, one of the topics that I saw was get rid of your losers. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts about that? Well, I mean, hope isn't a strategy here, guys. Uh, and I think you have to take a look at uh, those positions. I mean, when we're doing analysis from a stock perspective, right, you've got, a, you, you've got some intrinsic values uh, that you calculate on. You've got some uh, positions that if you know, you're trimming on a profit basis. And you've also got some, uh, you know, some, some downside protection built in. Now, stocks can go up and down for a number of different reasons. Sometimes nothing, nothing fundamentally has changed, but sometimes things do fundamentally change, right? So number one, and maybe this is a bigger behavioral you know, uh, conversation, but if you've got some losers in there, you better understand why. Why think, are you down? I think one question you need to ask is if you had cash in your bank account, right. would you buy that investment today? Okay. But this is all predicated on the fact that people have a thesis. So here's what I'm going to say. Good point. Okay. I'm, I'm going to back it right up to the beginning. Okay. A whole bunch of stocks can simply be a collection of good ideas at the time. It doesn't necessarily mean you have a portfolio. So if you have a portfolio and you have some losers in that portfolio, is there a weighting that you're, you're strategically, you strategically want in that particular space? Correct. Okay. Oil and gas wasn't a good performer last year, but if you wanted oil and gas exposure and you chose what you think fundamentally were the best securities in that space, then it may still fit. But if you just picked something because you, your buddy next door told you you had a good idea and it didn't work out, <laughs> maybe it's time to emotionally let that go. Yeah, yeah. Second piece that I saw, common theme amongst all the areas around the world that I was reading, 
Look at your tax situation. Taxes are a concern. More and more governments around the world are either cutting or increasing taxes. They're not just sticking around doing nothing about it. They're making some changes to their own tax code. We've heard here in in uh, in Canada from mm-hmm. those private corporations. We've seen the tax uh, spe- uh, pay space in the U.S. change. Uh, so we've been exposed here in, in Canada of both sides of the border. What are your thoughts about looking at taxes and and marking that as part of a New Year's resolution in the financial world. Okay, so I'm going to say the resolution is to become tax conscious, not necessarily tax savvy. There we go. All right, so let's make that resolution. I mean, tax does have an impact. Nobody lives on pre-tax income. We live on after-tax income. And so proper structure of a portfolio from an investment, each individual investment perspective, to how you receive cash flow from your portfolio if you're in retirement is absolutely important, right? So proper structure. Um, build a team that can help you with that. These are things that change all the time, Faisal. We talk about this constantly. It's not a static environment, right? Even if the tax situation is static, your individual situation is dynamic. It changes. You might receive income one year from a source and you're not uh, the same source the next year. All of these things impact how you receive your income, how you structure your wealth, not just your investment portfolio, because if you've got Real estate, land, closely held businesses producing income. These things all affect, that total wealth picture affects how you structure your investments, right? All of your investments. So take a big picture look, become tax conscious for sure, tax savvy if you can. Excellent. Well said. Next one is understand your numbers. There's a lot of Canadians that have no clue of what they need to do to reach their goals, whatever that goal may be, uh, retirement, uh, saving for a home, uh, down payments, buying a business, whatever it may be, owning a business. You know, I mean, business owners don't even know their own numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, those are the kind of things that that concern me when we sit down with individuals uh, that they don't know their own numbers and and or or have access to that information. Right. Um, and so um, that was one of the key themes that I saw in my reading was. Know your financial numbers. What are your thoughts? Okay, here's the New Year's resolution I'm going to put out there. Um, put your wealth in context. Okay, you got to expand on that, my yeah. friend. So we, we started to chat a little bit about this at the end of, of last year. Um, so put your wealth in context. That is my New Year's resolution. It means having wealth for the sake of wealth, um, I'm not sure it creates value for people. But if you have wealth, if you're building wealth, what is that wealth designed to do? For instance, I had a conversation just before the Christmas break with a client, and I asked this person, what's the context? What is this money for? And this person said to me, it is to uh, take care uh, uh, of a sick child. And I may need a whole bunch of money to fund some health care in the United States. Okay, now we've got a context for what that money is designed to do and how we have to structure it depending on the need. That, that could be in three months' time. So there's some implications about how that, that wealth is going to be used and therefore should be, should be uh, allocated or invested, right? It doesn't have to be that. It can be, I want to travel. I want a certain amount of income. I've got a golf, you know, I've got to support a golf uh, membership or something along those things. But it is, this is the year where we have to put con- the uh, context around money. And I say that, Faisal, because we have faced a year, probably two, you could argue, of, um, of fear of missing out. I can feel the pressure building in people. We talk about it on the news all the time. New highs hit on the Dow, the NASDAQ, the S&P 500 all the time, right? I want to chase that. There's a big risk happening here. 
So work backwards from the context of the money to come up with your goal and put a strategy in place appropriate for that. More for the sake of more. And you had a conversation just recently with a client. If you could double your money, what would you do differently? Uh, nothing. So why take the risk? Context is important. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. I think um, when you start looking at um, knowing your numbers beyond just being wealth conscious, right. um, it's understanding your own personal situation. Yeah. There are many people that I meet with that don't know how much they spend in a month on average. No, for sure. There are many people who don't know how much they have in their savings or how much they have in their investments. I'm not saying what, which individual investment, right. but I'm just saying basic dollar amounts that they've saved up. Right. They don't know how much credit card debt they have. They have no clue what their payments on their car loan is or things like that. Have the the New Year's resolution is understanding your financial situation. Right. I think um, financial knowledge gives you financial freedom. Correct. Right, and that's where the the importance comes into play. And I think that's that's a key piece. And so you know, I think when we look at these New Year's resolutions, from uh, you know, get rid of your losers or being wealth conscious, you know, those types of things are all related back to how you see your money and what the purpose behind your money is and what's the objective and the strategy behind it. So putting that all together and the last piece I think everybody should have is they need a team. You need a collaborative team that you mentioned this earlier where we need your tax ex experts, your your financial and investment experts, your legal experts all working together. And if you don't have that, and this is not for the billionaires out there. This is for every Canadian. Right. Every Canadian. You don't have to have a meeting every week. But you need to have a group that works with you. So if you don't have that, then you need to start building that. I think that's a great step in the right direction for 2018. It's it's needed. Start interviewing people. Start understanding there's a right fit for you. Because I think uh, in this year, there's going to be a lot of people looking for the right fit because we're getting closer and closer to people's reaching their goals or the timeline that they've set for it. And so they've got to prepare for that. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's well said. Okay, we've got, um, listen, we've got a, our edu first educational seminar of the year coming up on January 23rd. Why don't we remind everybody about that? We'll love to see everybody for this conversation and, and, and expanding upon the context of this wealth. Yeah, the context of your wealth. How are you going to grow your money? How are you going to profit and protect? How do you receive income for the rest of your life in your retirement and you don't have to worry about running out. We'll talk about all those issues, concerns, risks, and opportunities on Tuesday, January 23rd, 7 p.m. at the Crowfoot Co-op Wine and Spirits. Now you need to reserve your seats. So give us a call, 966-8400. That's 966-8400. Or go to our website at morethanmoneyradio.com. So, Faisal, do you think there are differences between how men and women approach retirement? That's a good question. Yes, there is probably. Yes, I think there are. <laughs> And we're going we're gonna to talk about that with Kelly Keene after the break. So join us here on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Um, you know, Faisal, uh, we often have Kelly Keene join us, uh, who's a personal finance educator. She also, also is an author. I know she's got a book on the go right now, but I think it's nine to count. So a heck of an educational resource um, around all things finances. But she has done a, uh, an article recently talking about um, the different experiences that men and women have in retirement. And there's some uh, facts, unsettling truths, I think she calls them, about those differences. And I think uh, it's worth exploring some of those differences. Do you, do you remember, Dave, about um, 10 years ago when you and I first met, I was, I was on the circuit doing some seminars and I was talking about uh, suddenly 
wealthy women yeah. and how some of the biggest risks that come up and and uh, Patty Lovett Reed wrote a book called Surprise You're Wealthy and we, we use some of her, her information to go around uh, talking to people about um, how the difference between men and women in their as they approach yeah. retirement, yep. living in retirement, the things they need to be aware of. And I really like this article because it just breaks it down, you know, in some good points, uh, clear, an idea for people to understand what's what's happening. And, and it comes out of five major pieces. So I think we should kind of go through that sure. so people understand, especially women, what are the the headwinds, I call them, yep. risks maybe, uh, of, of the, the differences between women and men as they approach retirement. Happy New Year, Kelly. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Faisal. Happy New Year to you both. Okay, so maybe just give us a high level, uh, a little bit about uh, what, you know, what makes the retirement experience different for men and women. Well, I mean, so many things. Women are uh, living longer. Unfortunately, there is still a pay gap in North America. So in Canada, women are earning around 82 cents for every dollar that men are in the U.S., that's around uh, 80 cents. So uh, it kind of depends on the year, too. Um, they're more likely to be caregivers, not just of kids, but of the parents, and yeah. not just her parents, but also um, her spouse's parents. They're more likely to work part-time, which means that they don't get a chance to have that, um, you know, robust CPP uh, entitlement at retirement. Maybe they don't have any benefits at all because they're working part-time. Um, so many things are facing women uh, today. And then, you know, a somewhat new stat that I know both of you would be familiar with is that it's estimated that at some point women will be controlling 90% of all of the wealth. Why is that? Because she lives longer. She's going to receive it from her husband. And Faisal, as you were saying on, you know, when you guys were doing your workshops and things of that sort, uh, it leaves her vulnerable. You know, if, if she's managing the money, um, I mean, assuming let's, let's take that side for a second, that actually um, she has this pot of money and she, she isn't destitute, as, as some women might be with those stats that I, and, and those, those points I just covered. Um, if she's not well-equipped, if she doesn't have a professional, she doesn't have someone on her side like a certified financial planner, someone she can trust, a team, lawyers, accountants, things of that sort, um, isn't aware of the basics. You guys were talking about me working on my newest book, one of the things I think is most important for Canadians to understand, especially women, what are the basics? Like, for example, what's a GIC at a bank paying? And if you understand that, if someone's coming to you saying, hey, I can guarantee you 10%, now you can understand what a red flag is. Like, things aren't common sense unless we understand the basics. So that, that's certainly one of my biggest worries for women is that, that she not only have enough for retirement, but if she's lucky enough to have enough, um, if she, um, you know, is faced with a divorce, uh, the death of a spouse, or maybe the sale of a business, that she understands those basics so she doesn't get defrauded. You know, Kelly, one thing that I did with uh, uh, quite a bit of women that I've been working with that who I've gone through either their, their spouse passed away or they've gone through divorce is trying to make them understand um, what they're up against, what the, the headwinds in their, in their life are. And, and I draw a little bit of a timeline. I say, okay, this is when you were born, put on the far left side of that line, and you know, your 
you're 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 growing up and you're starting to you know make your paycheck or what have you how how much of your years were you actually earning income and they start to shade out the areas of when they were raising children they start shading out the areas of time when they had to take care of their their loved ones who may be their parents or their in-laws they they start shading out the, the period of when they're going to be retired and they see very little light left in that yeah. in that spectrum for the amount of time they can actually generate income, save for the future. And then many of those who had defined benefit pension plans do not have the same opportunity as men, for example, because they've been out of the workforce. So the calculation on how much income they receive is a lot less. And now they're starting to see the headwinds of what they need to do, what kind of returns they need in their portfolio, what kind of risk comes along with that. And, and it, it kind of gives them an out, outline of what the, what the opportunities and the risks are, headwinds in the future. When you've gone through all the research that you have, what do you see as the, probably the biggest risk that women have going forward with all, the, all that's in front of them when it comes for their retirement? Wow, that's a loaded question. And I, I love <laughs> your analogy of shading things out. I bet that becomes very shockingly clear to the people that you're showing that to, the women that you're showing that to, of what's left. And, you know, Faisal and Dave, there's kind of two camps and, and a lot of white papers and research that I've been, been really digging into. Um, you know, Barbara Stewart is one, and she's, she's a CFA, and if you read her white paper, she, she feels women are really stepping to the plate. They're taking on enough risk. She doesn't feel they're risk-adverse. Um, but I wonder if the women that she is interviewing are kind of more working-aged, um, you know, breadwinners, things of that sort. Because my anecdotal research of, of, of looking at, you know, talking to women across Canada um, is that the average woman is still risk-adverse. Is she still is not as comfortable as she could be um, getting into the market. She's maybe even a little shy about going and getting professional help. Maybe she's been a little bit burned in the past. Um, well, it exposes you to be vulnerable, though, Kelly. Right? If you're asking for help, you're now vulnerable to to have to ask for that, and, and that may not be something that people are comfortable asking for help. It's kind of like me asking for directions to when I'm driving. It's very difficult for me to do that. I don't even look my GPS. I just guess. <laughs> yes, gentlemen, and asking for driving directions, indeed. Uh, women, we do like to ask for things. Um, and if I can plug a little bit, the Financial Planning Standards Council, we have a website called financialplanningforcanadians.ca, where it's a nonprofit organization. And we actually have uh, some great videos on there specifically for women on questions to ask before you invest, questions to ask the professional you're sitting in front of, um, because it really is finding that right fit. I mean, the industry is diverse, just as if you're going to see a doctor. I mean, you might see one doctor, and, and it's not the right fit for you, and you go, ah, forget it. I'm not going to get help. And I think that is the biggest issue that women face is, like you said, you know, what kind of return does she need? Well, that comes with that risk. And understanding what that means, what that means for the long term, and then also understanding maybe some compromises she has to make. There's this one woman I was talking to, so interesting, and she's in her 70s, and she was telling me that she really sat down with a girlfriend of hers, not, not a partner, just a friend, 
and said, look, we're both in the same boat. We both, they both had divorces. Uh, they're both strapped financially. Their kids have moved off, and they've decided to buy a condo together. They went to a certified financial planner. They sat down. They crunched the numbers. They sat down with a lawyer, and that was what made most sense to them. And also socially, it also is this social experiment that they're going to report back to me on how, um, you know, loneliness is one of the biggest things affecting, uh, you know, older people, regardless of, of, their, of their, you know, their net worth. Um, so there's, there's so many things that are, that are at play when a woman is, is looking into her retirement, for sure. Well, uh, you know, I think you've touched on a, a, a ton of good points. Uh, are you going to give us a bit of a preview of your next book, by the way? Sure. Um, it, it kind of, it's funny because book number 10 is circling back to book number one. So it's really as a non-psychologist that was in the industry for 12 years and now for the last 13 years has been out of the industry, but talking to thousands of people um, around North America, comes back to how do we feel about money? And if you go on my badly branded website, <laughs> you'll see that my mission is for Canadians to feel good about money. And I've had a lot of arguments with uh, my spouse, with other people about that, like, what do you mean? Why should people feel good about money? And it's, it's really this internal game. And especially if we look at, you know, we break it down demographically, you guys are in the field. You know when you're talking to someone, if it's a woman or a man, when you're talking to someone in their 70s, if you're talking to a millennial, a Gen Xer, and now what's the new generation? I think Generation Z or something like that. And they're kind of like now like the Great Depression kids because they saw their parents go through market crashes. They're coming out with record student loan debt and all of that. So it's really, you know, it, having that relationship of feeling good. And, again, the Financial Planning Standards Council has done a lot of research on self-efficacy, which sounds like a complicated term, but it's really feeling that if you do X, Y, and Z, it's actually going to help you. And I think when Canadians look at how much debt they're in, uh, half of Canadians are $200 away from paying their bills. A record number of people are going to retirement in debt. They don't feel good about money. And if you don't feel good, you don't take action. You don't go and get help. You don't come to your seminars. You don't read books. So um, it's all about how do I um, take the best of what's out there with behavioral economics and the new research with how our brain is set for instant gratification <laughs> and not actually safe for retirement. Um, how do we set up nudges, automation, all of that, and feel good about money and take, uh, take action when it comes to not just now, but also for our, our retirement? Sounds excellent. I mean, this kind of education, I think, is critical and important, and you've been a big part of that. You put out a lot of material on this, Kelly. We want to thank you for joining us again on the show. Thanks, gentlemen. Always a pleasure. All right, you've been joined by Kelly Keene, a personal finance educator, clearly an author, uh, nine books and counting, uh, and a new book out. Uh, well, we'll get a copy of it, uh, I hope, when it comes out. Now, we've got a, uh, an educational seminar coming up on uh, January 23rd, the first of the season. Let's yeah. remind everybody about that. Yeah, that's going to be on January 23rd, 7 p.m. at the Crowfoot Co-op Line in Spirits, and we're going to be discussing the transition to retirement. What are the risks? How do you how do you maximize profit while minimizing risk, which is a very challenging thing to do in, in this type of market. And more importantly, how do you actually, actually make sure you have the, the income, the cash flow for your life in retirement? Again, on Tuesday, January 23rd, 7 p.m. at the Crowfoot Co-op Wine and Spirits. Now you need to reserve your seat, so give us a call. 966-8400. That's 966-8400. Or go to our website at morethemoneyradio.com. You ever wondered about whether or not you should be taking money out of your RSPs early? 
Yeah, we get that question all the time. We get that question all the time. Let's try to address that after the break. Stick around. You're on 770 CHQR and more than money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and more than money. You know, Faisal, it's uh, RSP time. We're turning to that. People are Is looking it at already. Yeah, I know really? it happens fast, doesn't it? <laughs> Every year. Every year it comes along. Now you you can contribute, or in some cases you can withdraw. Right? Yeah, that's been a big question from a lot of our listeners and our clients: of should I take my RSPs early? Right meaning withdraw out of my RSPs early or not, and what's the benefits, what's the drawbacks. We do some calculations for our clients to determine in their specific situation what it's like, but, but there's some, some things that people need to know about when drawing down their, their RSPs or their, their retirement savings early. And mm-hmm. so we had uh, a great uh, piece that was published um, uh, from Jonathan Chevro, and I believe it was the, the Globe, and uh, maybe we should... Get a bit more information. On well, this. I think it's a it's a it's a topic of conversation that we that a lot of people ask about, right? So we thought, well, let's bring in uh, let's bring an expert. Jonathan's been a, re- a regular recurring guest on the show, and Jonathan Chevro, for you that don't know, he's the founder of Financial Independence Hub. He's also the co-author of Victory Lap Retirement. Jonathan, welcome back to the show. It's always good to be here. I might add that I did a piece like that for Money Sense about a year ago. So oh, that's uh, right. similar sort of thing. That's a, right. A good freelancer always recycles and reuses. <laughs> <you know. laughs> well, listen, Happy New Year to you. And let's maybe start our conversation right off the bat with um, tell us a little bit about why somebody uh, would actually choose or consider drawing from an RSP early and not waiting until they have to, uh, you know, they're forced to do that. Well, I, I think this is primary. There are two kind of people. I, I am addressing in, in Retired Money, which is the Money Sense column, the sort of people in their 60s who are sort of in between full-time employment and actual full re, uh, retirement. Correct. Uh, so they're probably in the lower tax bracket. But it can also apply to your listeners who are a lot younger, but maybe they've been laid off, right? Mm-hmm. So they've been RSPing for 10 or 15 years, and, you know, why do people RSP? I think the number one motivation is you get the big refund, uh, if you're in a top tax bracket, which in a lot of places in Canada now is above 50 percent, you know, if you make more than 200 grand, uh, you're 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 very highly motivated to uh, to uh, get that refund. But when you're in a lower bracket, either because uh, you know you're, you've been laid off or because you're in semi-retired, you're no longer drawing a big paycheck. Uh, all of a sudden, you're in these lower brackets, like 15 percent. So it makes sense to if you got a, if you got your money in to get a 50 percent tax break, and you can actually cause remember when you turn 71, an RSP eventually has to go into a RIF or it has to be annuitized. At that point, you have these forced taxable annual withdrawals. They start at 7 percent or so, and they go up to 20 percent past that when you're in your 90s. That's a big tax hit. So if you can, it, it, when you're temporarily in a low bracket, so the pieces we are describing talk about topping up the bracket. Now we can go into the details if you want. Yeah, I think that's that's yeah. a key piece here, Dave. But one thing that oh, people have to remember is that the RRSP, the Registered Retirement Savings Plan, although it's called a retirement savings plan, it's really all about taxes. At the end of the day, you can save for your retirement in any way you want to. The retirement savings plan is just a vehicle that lets you defer the tax at some time in the future, but you're saving today on the tax when you make the deposit. The tax-free savings account can be used for retirement, which is tax-free. The, ta- the tax-free savings account is a great opportunity for that. So I think this is all about taxes. And so what many Canadians may not understand, Jonathan, is that there is um, there is a tax component to this and what do they need to look out for? So you're topic, talking about topping up to the bracket or topping up to bracket. What, what do you mean by that? And what are some of the key numbers that people need to be aware of before they start going down the path of should they withdraw or should they not withdraw early from their RRSPs? 
Yeah, well, first of all, remember that, that when you do your tax return, the first 12000 roughly speaking, is tax-free, right? It's like a 0% tax. Like You have a student who works at Tim Hortons and makes 12000 They don't get taxed at all. They may take it at source, but when they do their returns, they'll end up paying 0%. So everybody, including the rich, the first 12000 is free. So it makes sense that if you've lost your job or you're retired, that you should move heaven and earth to at least bring in $12,000 a year. Every, so if, if your only source of funds is your RSP and you have, let's say, half a million, it would make sense the first year of your being in the low, in zero tax bracket to take out that first 12000 No-brainer, right? Because right. you're paying 0% tax. And then, but then there's the, equally the next big bracket you want to top up to would be about $42,000. That's the federal rate of around 15%. Again, you'd agree that's a lot better than paying 52%. Uh, after that, it's the law of diminishing returns. And the article talks about maybe taking up to about 72000 or so dollars. Uh, at that point, you get into all these other considerations like the OAS clawback if you're a senior, not a consideration if you're uh, a young person laid off. Uh, and then there's also the other consideration whether you should delay CPP and OAS to 70 to get a, a bigger return. That's a separate conversation, not really involving tax. But, but they, you, you, all, you need this holistic view of your government benefits. How much tax did you pay when you got your refund? How much tax are you paying currently? Is that likely to remain the case? Are you gonna, are you, or, or, or if you're a young person, are you going to get reemployed and end up back in the top tax bracket again? So there's a lot of moving parts here, which is probably why it's kind of a complex topic to write about which is why it's also important to have a tax expert involved in this especially for those who are in, in income brackets that are a little bit higher and maybe one spouse may be lower and there's a little bit of multiple moving parts like you mentioned um we all i also want to mention to people that if you are uh, uh, unemployed or, or laid off and you're seeking ei you might want to check on that because taking money out of income may reduce your ei exposure so look into the rules of that i'm not an expert in that level but i know there's some there's some impacts if you're receiving other sources of income uh and other social benefits so be aware of that but beyond that i think what the key component is is that it needs to be looked at dave every single year because it may change in yeah. people's situation yeah. we've seen that in our practice yeah. people's situation changes on a year-by-year -year basis tax rules change so getting the advice but i like the fact that we've got you know twelve thousand dollars of income is pretty much tax-free across the country let's get that figured out and then there's the next level is forty-two thousand. that's that's the top of the bottom tax, tax bracket, bracket or the federal, first, federal, the federal tax, tax bracket. Right. So, yeah, it's 15%, and then uh, depending on the province, it might be another 5 At least on Ontario, it's 5 might be a little different in B.C. Um, the one other thing, I just on this point, though, let's say you say, oh, well, I need 20000 to live on, and I don't want to pay that 15%. The other option, of course, is after you, you bring in 12000 from your RSP, tax-free, uh, you could also take money out of your tax-free savings account. By definition, that's not going to bump you to another tax bracket either. So Correct. you have those two safety lines there. You're taking from both of the RSP and the TFSA, if need be. Good thing about TFSA is you can easily, you can always recontribute, although it's the next year, uh, to get back your room. And yeah, I think that's an important point, though, Jonathan. I think what people have to remember that the RRSP and the TFSA for contributions are done a little bit differently, that if you withdraw out of a TFSA, you can recontribute the following year of whatever you've taken out on, on, on that um, maximum amount per year. Um, but in an RRSP, once you withdraw, there is no recontribution unless you have earned income, which you then can use that as part of your calculation for your, for your RSP contribution. So they need to be aware of those two things. So this is where it gets more complex. Like you said, so many moving parts. I think it's a great conversation to have. I just think there needs to be a bit more analysis done before you go out and just start pulling money willy-nilly. 
Yeah, yeah no, you certainly need some, some expert advice. And keep in mind, two RSPs, you can also, if you want to go back to school, there's a lifelong learning program where you can take money out, and then you have to recontribute. You're forced to recontribute over the years, 10 years, I think. Uh, and same thing with the home ownership yeah. uh, uh, plan. So those are two other things that one can do. Jonathan, we want to thank you for joining us again. It's always a pleasure to have you and uh, continue the great writing and, uh, and the awareness and the education. Thank you. Anytime. We've been joined by Jonathan Chevro. He's the founder of Financial Independence Hub. He's also co-author of Victory Lap Retirement. I think you can get that on Amazon.com if you're interested. Uh, Faisal, I think that the you know the takeaway here, and, and I think Jonathan said it exactly right, that um, it's a complex topic to write about because it is case-specific, right? Yeah, and yeah. This, this is what people have to take away is you need to think about your individual circumstances and those individual circumstances can change on a year by year basis. And, and here's why I say that, uh, that you need to review it on a year by year basis is because one thing that's common amongst our listeners and our clients is no one wants to overpay in taxes, right? right? So we're all in the same ship there. Okay. Once we're all in that same boat, we want to understand how much more are you taking out? What kind of tax implications? What will it impact you in the future? A tax analysis generally only takes a snapshot of today. Right. What's the best situation for your tax side today? Right. Where a financial plan, retirement plan, and everything else that gets involved also comes into play is where where you need to look at um, your financial goals in the long term. Because even though taking out an RSP withdrawal today might be right tax-wise, yep. the future growth may be eliminated. And we've done some analysis for yeah. some clients where we've said it may not work out for you. It may not be in your best interest right. long-term right. to to take it out now versus right. deferring. So again, case by case. And I think this is where building, especially as you transition to or live in retirement, you want to build that team of tax experts, financial experts, yeah. retirement planning, investment management, all that, you know, estate planning, all that together in one big group. And you, you've got a collaborative force that will help you out. Yeah, I think that's important. It's not just about income today, even it's about estate, as you said, as well. So what does a tax bill look like at the end of the day? So there's lots of moving parts there. Okay, let's leave it at that, because I think you summed it up great. But we do have an upcoming seminar. And one of the things we're going to be talking about is cash flow, efficiency of cash flow, supporting that life lifestyle. That's coming up on uh, January 23rd. Yeah, that's January 23rd, 7 p.m. at the Crowfoot Co-op Wine and Spirits. Now you need to reserve your seat, so give us a call, 966-8400, 966-8400, or go to our website at morethanmoneyradio.com. Welcome back here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Uh, another, uh, I think, interesting set of topics to kick off uh, to kick off the new year. And since we are in RSP season, although most people are thinking about contributing, there are lots of people that should think about withdrawals this year. Yeah, and I like Jonathan's key points. You know, it's a tax conversation. Yeah. It's about understanding your your tax brackets and how much income, and that's forecasting. And that's that part at the beginning of the show I was talking about understanding your numbers. This is part of it. You know, yep. there's understanding where your your tax brackets are. If you know the twelve thousand dollars he was talking about as the first 12,000 is tax free. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you've got zero income and you've got some RSPs taking out $12,000 tax free is not a bad idea considering what the income treatment will be in the future. So there still needs some planning around that, Dave. And I think that's, that's part of it. And people are making these types of decisions um, by just looking at one piece of the bigger pie or one piece of yeah. the entire plan or situation. And I think where people get, um, boggled down is all uh, they're, they're kind of siloed or they're, they've got these blinders on saying let's talk about tax and that's it and when we have to try to bring in the bigger picture and, and understand not only what the 
tax implications are, but how does that impact 10 years down the road? Right. Right. How does that impact next year? Right. And, and everything in between. So, you know, these are some of the risks when you decide to make a choice like this, uh, um, what happens. But there are other risks. And I want to kind of talk about some of the risks you see in the investment world in 2018. Um, you know, it's interesting. I think, <clears throat> I think in addressing that, um, I'm not sure that the, the general global risks that I would point out are going to be fundamentally different than last year. But, but here's what I'm going to say from an investment perspective. So let's just set aside, you know, whether or not North Korea and the U.S. are going to have an armed conflict or, you know, Iran is going to create a problem, whatever. These are, these are there. But I'm, I'm, from an investment perspective, we've got equity markets, again, pushing through to new records, all-time highs. Yep. Your valuations are, uh, if not at all-time highs, they're at the certainly at the high end of peak, fair value. Peak range, yeah. Yeah, you've got interest rates, um, you know, quantitative easing and uh, and interest rate moves moving higher. That's going to affect bond markets. So that puts bond markets under a bit of pressure. And we've still got cash that doesn't pay us anything, right? So the three traditional um, asset classes are still under pressure. Um, so how, how as an investor do you handle that, right, to, uh, to try to both profit, but also protect during these, um, I would say, unprecedented times and certainly with uh, different, uh, a very different economic environment instead of uh, financial characteristics today than perhaps we've ever seen before. I was reading a few reports um, on, on the economy and some of the, the forecasting that's going on uh, mm-hmm. from some of the key, key groups that we look at. And all, I would say, are in favor that the economy is still growing. Yes. All great. are in favor that there is still growth out there. And so it looks like it's going to be a good year at this point in time. Now, what are some of the risks that I think are different in 2018 that were not there in 2017? One of the risks, and I'm not talking about war. I'm, not, I'm pushing that aside. Mm-hmm. That's on the table for sure. It's a, it's a risk, but it's not a high risk in my, my top three. It's probably third in my top three list. I think the number one risk that we could be facing in 2018, and it may be a small probability, let's call you know one in five, or a 20% chance that inflation is underestimated. Mm. Fair enough, yeah. I think that there is a, a risk mm-hmm. that these numbers of inflation may move faster. Right. So there is a mechanism that we look at called the velocity of money, and we've been looking at the circulation of how money's been moving. And when you start getting these employment numbers and you start seeing these, these, these uh, wage growth and minimum wage increases and so forth kicking in, it does have an impact. Some are good, some are bad. But I, my, my risk that I have on the table is if inflation, especially in the U.S., is faster than anticipated, it will catch the Federal Reserve, their central bank off guard. It'll catch the stock market off guard. And then we're ready for a bit of a change. Right. Risk number two that I see is China. If China slows down faster than what we than we see, we've got a problem here too because they're they're the growth engine of Asia at this point in time, and so we've got a concern. We have to be prepared for that. You know, I'm not saying you know ring the alarm bells and put everything in cash. What I am saying is you need to understand what the risks are for 2018 when you're investing, and if those types of risks happen, look at the downside of your portfolio and are you comfortable with that downside? Because if you are. Fine. If you're not comfortable with that downside, and put it in dollars, don't put it in percent. People say, ah, ten percent drop, big deal. Right. Uh, but if you've got a you know a million dollar portfolio and you're down a hundred thousand bucks, how do you feel about that? If that's going to concern or or raise flags or make you lose sleep, you might want to reassess that. So have that conversation with your investment professional. It's very important. Yeah, I think so. And and re- and 
so we've talked a lot about planning on this show, and maybe let's leave it on this note, is plan for a range of outcomes, right? So when you're putting together your investment thesis, come up with your base case, but take a look at if you're wrong. And if it's better than you think and worse than you think, what, what are the expected uh, implications in the portfolio? And, and plan for a range of those things. Uh, and I think that is, <clears throat> that is sage advice over time. It certainly will apply this year given you know, the set of risks we're facing and also the asset class pricing and some of the pressures that those traditional asset classes are facing. Okay, we've got a seminar coming up, and we're going to talk about all of this and sort of try to how to put all this stuff together on January 23rd. Yeah, that's 7 p.m. January 23rd at the Crowfoot Co-op Wine and Spirits. You need to reserve your seats, so give us a call, 966-8400-966-8400, or go to our website to register at morethanmoneyradio.com. Anything that we've talked about today or even any of the past segments, I want to remind you that you can get access to those on morethanmoneyradio.com or you can have them delivered directly to you by searching for More Than Money CHQR on iTunes or in your favorite podcast. Well, next week we're going to kick off a special series where we're going to be looking at divorce, retirement, and how your financial situation could be impacted. We'll have several experts on the topic join us for this series, and it's all going to start next Saturday, January the 13th, so tune in for that. Thanks for tuning in to another edition on More Than Money on 770 CHQR. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada.